Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining me today. This is Friday, and I love Friday, my second favorite day of the week. And oftentimes I say, well, you know, it's Friday, but Sunday is coming. And so it's not too late for you to come and join us for worship as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Well, I thought I'd wrap up the week by talking about the subject of should Christians fast? You know, life goes by in the blink of an eye. It's too short for us to live a life that is upset and and angry and resentful and and ungrateful. You know, if you look at the good, you'll find it. If you choose to be happy, to be at peace, you can decide each day that it's going to be a good day and and grab each moment and make the best of it. Refuse to look at the negative thoughts about what is happening in our world. Refuse to let that take root in your mind. Don't let negative people and situations drag you down. Trust your journey that the Lord's going to lead you. And oh yeah, you're going to make a mistake or two along the way. That's okay. But keep moving ahead. Spend less time worrying, more time being grateful for those who love you and for all of the goodness that God has to offer you. I guess we could say, choose to live in joy. You say, what does all that have to do with fasting? Well, when you look at fasting, fasting reveals what and who controls me? What is controlling me right now? The psalmist is concerned about those who make fun of the things of God. When he fasts, he quickly learns that now he is the object of ridicule. This is what it says in Psalm 69, verses 9 and 10. Passion for your house has consumed me, and the insults of those who insult you have befallen on me. When I weep and fast, they scoff at me. Now, let's look at that a little closer, right? Here, the psalmist is fasting, he's weeping, and he's discovering that by doing that, he has regained a passion for the house of the Lord. It is consuming him. But because he is so intentional about this being consumed, that he's being made fun of. He says, the insults of those who have insulted you are now falling on me, they scoff at me. So let me ask you, are you worried about what others think about you? I read about a man who, after 25 years working for the same company, complained to his boss that he felt neglected. He says, I've got 25 years of experience, and I'm still doing the same job for the same pay. The boss replied, You don't have 25 years of experience. You have had the same experience for 25 years. Maybe you feel stuck in your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you feel like you've become complacent. It's time to get out of that complacency. In Isaiah 58, we discover that Isaiah notices that there's something about fasting, but fasting can oftentimes be wrongly motivating. You see, fasting doesn't get through to God if it doesn't change my heart and my actions. Isaiah 58, it says, your fasting ends in quarreling and in strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. So let me just stop right there. We fast not primarily to change others, but to change 
ourselves. Verse 5. The kind of fast that I have chosen, only a day for people to humble themselves. Is that all it is? It's a rhetorical question. Is it only for, for bowing one's head? Like a reed for you lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a, a day of fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Again, Isaiah is driving home the fact that the people of Judah, their hearts were filled with quarreling and strife. They went into the fast with quarreling. They came out of the fast with quarreling and strife. I guess they expected their fasting to change others, but not themselves. This kind of fast does not get through to God. Now, I give this as a warning. You see, you can fast, but if you cherish sin in your heart, God will not hear you. Pray today that if you decide to fast, that your fasting will not cover up what's inside, but will reveal the true nature of your heart. And if that true nature is contrary to God's will, that you'll confess it and that you will turn from it. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus does a contrast. He does a contrast between a tax collector and a Pharisee. Now, the Pharisee thought he was far superior to the tax collector because he fasted twice a week. He paid tithes on all that he acquired. Now, the problem was not fasting and tithing. It was that these two disciplines did something to the Pharisee. These two disciplines, they caused him to be filled with pride. Fasting actually led him to look down with disdain on the tax collector. Now, I, I know this is real. This is a real battle that we feel, right? Uh, maybe you're listening to me today. So I go to church every Sunday. I give tithes and offerings and I fast. And then I look at that other church member over there. And uh, I know he doesn't give to the church, and I know he doesn't serve, and, and he never takes a fast, uh, you know. but I do all these things. It's so easy to look down on that other person. But look what Jesus does. After this guy says, I thank you that I'm not like other men, swindlers and evildoers and, and adulterers, and even like this tax collector. If fasting makes me more self-righteous, we've still got some work to do. There was a New York Times article titled, The Stories We Tell Ourselves. Todd May notes that we're often telling stories about ourselves, mainly to make ourselves look good. May writes, we tell stories that make us seem adventurous or funny or strong. We tell stories that make our lives seem interesting. Now, we tell these stories not only to others, but we also tell them to ourselves. He says that most of us live in an echo chamber that reflects the righteousness of our lives back to us. And in the echo chamber, we justify why we and why our group is superior to others. In short, we tell ourselves a very narrow, shallow story. You know, followers of Jesus, we aren't better people, but we always have bigger and better stories because our story isn't first and foremost about us. It begins with Jesus. A children's Bible called the Jesus Storybook has a wonderful way of summarizing this story as Jesus tells his followers. This is how God will rescue the whole world, Jesus says. 
my life will break, and God's broken world would mend, my heart will tear apart, and your heart will heal. I won't be with you long. You're going to be very sad, but God's helper will come, and then you'll be filled with a forever happiness that won't ever leave. So don't be afraid. You are my friends, and I love you. Wow, such a powerful lesson. When I think about fasting, maybe you need some help in navigating a fast. Now, I want you to know you can fast many different things, okay? I am doing a 21-day fast in which I am fasting from sugar and soda, all right? Uh, So it's not a fast that eliminates all food. I'm just eliminating processed sugared stuff. And so that means no donuts and no Krispy Kreme, uh, no all these sugary things, no sodas. And, uh, you know, I found that there's sugar in a lot of things. And so I'm basically doing what is considered the Daniel fast, kind of a South American diet where I eat beans and I eat rice and I I can have uh, uh, chicken and I can have things like that, but no sugar whatsoever. Now, to help me with this, I've been going through a little book called 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. It's a fasting guide for spiritual breakthroughs, and it's by Gary Romeyer. And uh, if you'd like to get that, it's inexpensive. I think it's found on Amazon. I don't know, 3 or $4. You can pick up a copy of that. But as I go through each day, I've been learning new things as I spend time in God's Word. So what you do in a fast is you're disciplining yourself to give up something And while you're not consuming whatever you've given up, whether it be social media or, like in my case, sugar, during the times that I would be eating that Krispy Kreme donut, I'm going to get into the Word and I'm going to be praying. And then I'm going through this 21-day devotional book. But fasting really shows us really how weak we are to give up even the smallest of pleasures. You know, the Christian life is a disciplined life. But it's not just disciplining the flesh. It is really surrendering ourselves completely over to God. I like what John Calvin said about the purpose of fasting in today's reading. This would be day three of the 21 days of prayer and fasting. You know, he gives us three reasons for fasting, and I've summarized them this way. Number one would be to restrain the flesh. You know, the flesh will lead you. Have you ever noticed these cravings that you have? Now, the first four or five days that I went without sugar, I felt drained. Uh, I guess I was having a sugar withdrawal. I mean, I, I felt totally drained, totally exhausted for the first four or five days. Now that I'm past that four or five day mark, I, I, I no longer feel that sugar down, right? So by fasting, I'm restraining my flesh. I'm saying, I know my flesh so wants to have a sugary snack right now, but I'm not giving into it. Uh, I'm going to be led by the Spirit and not the flesh. There's a second thing that fasting does for us. It prepares us to hear from God. You know, when I think about this subject of being ready to hear from God, I think sometimes we are so bloated and we are so full that instead of hearing from God, we go to church and we fall asleep, right? You may not close your eyes and sleep, but you've checked out, right? Because you're really not prepared to hear from God. So fasting is a time where we are saying, okay, Lord, I'm ready to hear from you. I'm making a sacrifice because you've been so merciful to me 
and I, I'm ready to hear from you. And then number three, fasting allows us to humble ourselves in the presence of God. And this is a, a way that we can display our genuine brokenness over our sin. And so earlier in the broadcast, we looked at Isaiah 50. Let's continue on as we look at Isaiah 58. We read these alarming words regarding fasting. Isaiah 58, verses 6 through 9. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? So here we learn Isaiah is recording the fact that the purpose of the fast was to break us free from chains of injustice and, and untie these cords that are, are oppressing people. But verse 7 says, Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? And, and so here he says, we're going to sacrifice, but but we're going to share with those who are hungry. We're going to provide for that one who is a wanderer, who has no place to stay. That one who needs clothes, we're going to provide for them, and we're going to give to them out of our own provision. Verse number eight, then your light will break forth like dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer you. You will cry for help, and he will say, here I am. So here fasting sets us free from the control of the flesh. Here in the case of Judah, they needed to be set free from the chains of injustice. Now, I know this is a buzzword in our culture, right? I'm praying we will see the truth of justice found only in Christ. But fasting frees us up to hear God. So when God speaks, we experience his generosity, and we in turn become generous. We don't exploit those who don't know better. Generous by providing for the poor, very specific here, shelter, food, and clothing, not as a way to pat ourselves on the back, but as a way to show that God has blessed us and we're sharing that blessing with others. So when we do hear from God, it is a humbling experience. And our humbling fasting, it opens up our hearts to really hear from God, to really hear from Him. Do you want to hear from Him today? Do you really want to know what He's up to in this world today? Sometimes it takes times of fasting. You see, sometimes God causes us to be hungry so that we can hunger and thirst for Him. And sometimes He asks us to fast so that we will have a deep hunger for Him. You know, hungering and thirsting, these are not mild desires. To say that you are hungry for something means that you care deeply about having something. You know, if a sports team is going through a slump, you know, they're going through a losing streak. We would say that they are, uh, they're really hungry for victory. Now, generally speaking, the team that wins is the one that is most hungry for the win. I mean, you put two teams together that are pretty much matched up evenly with talent and experience. The one that is most hungry to win is the one that's going to win. To say that you're hungry for something means that you are presently not content, not satisfied. Hungering and thirsting speaks of having a deep craving, 
a yearning, a passionate pursuit. The scriptures speak of having this hunger and thirst in several places throughout scripture. But one of my favorite is found in Psalm 42. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now listen, those words are powerful. But listen to the words of Jesus as he continues to teach the crowds that they've come to hear him. And and he says to them, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Did you get that? We don't get full of righteousness until we're hungry for it. When I was growing up as a kid, my mom would always tell me, don't eat that candy now. It will spoil your appetite for the dinner I've prepared for you. She didn't want me filling up on candy because it would rob me of my hunger for a nutritious meal. How many Christians today are settling for junk food instead of the real food, right? Give me a Snickers bar. And there are plenty of churches that will do this to you, right? Give you a pick-me-up, and they'll entertain you, and make you feel great for just a moment. But then you begin to have that, that feeling of emptiness. You see, we don't get full of righteousness until we are truly hungry for it. Uh, We can fill our lives with junk food that keeps us from hungering after the bread of life, or we can can give up physical food, a physical pleasure, so that we can experience a meal based on God's Word. As I was reading on, I think it was day four in the reading, I learned that God causes people to be hungry in the book of Deuteronomy while they're in the wilderness. Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 and 3. And now he did this so that they would turn to him, not just for food to fill their stomach, but for food that fills their soul as well. Sometimes God will allow us to experience physical hunger so that we will seek after spiritual nutrition as well. You know, whenever we go to these third world countries on a missions trip, and I remember going one time to Guatemala, and as we went down to Guatemala, we knew that the children would be extremely hungry. One of our group members said, well, why don't we uh, make them come and, and, and hear the gospel first, and then we'll feed them second? And the missionary says, now listen, guys, I don't mean to to be disrespectful, but when these little children come to us uh, and they're coming to hear the gospel, they're going to receive the gospel. But I think we should feed them first. And he says, all of you don't understand this because you have probably never felt the, the level of hunger that these children are feeling. But can you imagine what they would be experiencing as they're listening to us and they are about to starve to death? All they can focus on on how hungry they are. They will tolerate the message because they are so hungry to get something to eat, but they're not really listening to the message 
because their stomachs are not full. And so he said, why don't we feed the children first and tell them after we've had lunch, we're going to gather together and have a service. You know, those children were much more receptive after they had some food in their belly. As we think about hungering and thirsting for righteousness, there is a benefit to fasting that we learned in our continued study of Isaiah 58, verses 9 through 11. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer you. You will cry for help, but he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of the finger and the malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will shine in darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and he will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. So as our souls are filled, we help others fill their souls. Now, this is a universal principle all believers must discover. God helps us in our times of need so that we can help others in their times of need. The more we help others, the more we are filled. Now, I know that sounds counterintuitive, but look what the Lord says to his people. If you do away with the yoke of the oppressor, with the pointing finger and the malicious talk, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry, your light will rise in darkness. The Lord will guide you always, satisfy your needs, strengthen your frame. He will never fail. Don't you love that? The more we reach out to help others, the more God reaches out to help us. It is just the way he operates. Oh, my friend, as we look at this subject of fasting on an even deeper level, I want you to know that sometimes God causes us to be hungry so that we can hunger and thirst after him. I want you to know that God wants to use times of fasting to encourage you to a deeper level and a deeper relationship with him. You know, sometimes we fast for other reasons too. You know, right now I'm fasting so that we will see people come to a saving knowledge of faith. As I'm recording this broadcast, we're about halfway through Ramadan, which is a 30-day fast for those of the Islamic faith. I'm writing today as I pray for the revelation of Jesus to all those who are incarcerated, not only physically incarcerated, but incarcerated by sin. We've got one last look at Isaiah 58. And as we continue to look, we see there are benefits of fasting. Fasting ensures that the Lord will guide us. Verse number 11, the Lord will guide you always. Fasting shows that the Lord will provide for us. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. Fasting also provides a time of rebuilding and restoring. Isaiah 58, 12 says that your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. They're going to rise up on the age-old foundations. You will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets with dwellings. We also learn some really important reminders. Fasting is always done 
in conjunction with obedience. You see, fasting never takes the place of obedience. And here we learn that they were told to keep the Sabbath holy, to avoid idle words. Isaiah tells us to keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on a holy day. If you call the Sabbath a delight, the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please and not speaking idle words, then you will find joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to the feast of the inheritance of your father, Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Wow, what a powerful, powerful testimony. I have learned in my times of prayer and fasting that the quieter I become, the more I can hear. The more I give over to Christ and break off from the flesh, the more I can hear Him. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. If I can pray for you, please shoot me a text, 252-267-2365. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.